We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to turn to 1 John. Today, we're wrapping up our series called Family First. And we have talked about honorable fathers. We've talked about virtuous mothers. We've talked about obedient children. And today, we're going to talk about the overall blessed family of God. Uh, you know, each one of those weeks, uh, at least the first two, were, were pretty much specific. We talked about dads and then moms. Then when we talked about children, we talked about uh, how that that can mean children is one thing, but being a part of a family is, can mean a different thing in our culture than what it did even 40, 50 years ago. Uh, it was quite different. And today, when we talk about family, there is a lot of discussion politically about what family looks like. And I think that the best way to describe family is to stick with the biblical description uh, that is basically the whole Bible saying that anyone that believes upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and become a part of the family of God. And then the, the, the word teaches how the family of God is to be lived out on this earth and how God wants the, that, 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 um, that physical family uh, to how he wants it to operate. And it, and it may look different in different houses. It may look different in, dif- in different circumstances. But there is a common denominator that, is, that unites the body of Christ that makes us family. And that's what we're going to be focusing on here today. So I'm, I'm going to read some scripture to you, but I'm going to explain a little bit as we're going. We're starting First John chapter 3, verse 1, as we talk about what a blessed family will look like. What will a blessed family do? Now, I'm not just talking about your individual family. I'm not, if you are a dad and, there's a, and you have a wife and you have children, I'm not just talking about that relationship, but I'm talking about what what that relationship, that family and this family and that family and maybe this family over here, which is is comprised of a single or a family over here, which is a, a single mom with with children or or it can be whatever that may look like. When all of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ come together, we are a part of the family of God. And I want to show you what that family, that blessed family will look like, what how will we be able to know who they are? First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says, consider this. Father has given us his love. He loves us so much that we are actually called God's dear children. How about that? And that's what we are. For this reason, the world doesn't recognize us and they didn't recognize him either. And that basically means that they don't know what to think about us. It even can mean worse. It means that they don't know what to think about us and don't like us too. But God's love for us has made it possible for us to be members of his family. And he considers us his children. Go on and look at verse 2. Dear friends, we are now God's children. Drop down to verse 6. Now those who live in Christ or the, the part of his family. I'm skipping around a little bit. I'm not, not going to read all this to you, but I'm going to take you through train of thought. So God has this family, these, these children that are his, 
How will we know them? Verse 6 says, those who live in Christ don't go on sinning. Because those who go on sinning haven't seen or known Christ. This is how we're going to know who's part of this blessed family. Verse 10, this is the way God's children are distinguished from the devil's children. Everyone who doesn't do what is right or love other believers isn't God's child. Wow. Now, we could stop right there and think about how many crazy groups are out there that claim to be Christian groups that don't love some of God's children. Hmm? Be careful about what you acknowledge as being the family of God. I'm about to tell you what is the blessed family of God. Any group of people that can call themselves anything, but if they hate others, if they want wrong for others, if they, jo- if they take joy in the hurt of others, then they're not, according to Scripture, they're not part of that blessed family. And you'll see in a minute what that common denominator is that unites all of us. So, verse 11 says, the message that you've heard from the beginning is to love each other. Look at verse 14. And we know that we pass from death to life because we love other believers. Verse 21. Dear friends. Now this is the benefit of being a part of the blessed family too. If our conscience doesn't condemn us. Well, we could preach there for a while too, couldn't we? Because a lot of us spend three-fourths of our lives being condemned by our own conscience. But if we can ever... Stay on top of the sin that does so easily beset us, Paul talked about. If our conscience doesn't condemn us, we can look boldly to God and receive from Him anything we ask. And we receive it because we obey His commandments and we do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment. To believe in His Son, the one named Jesus Christ... And to love each other as he commanded us. So the common denominator of the blessed family is this, love. Love is that thing that binds all Christians together and makes them God's family. John talks so much about it in the book of John and then in 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. John always talks about love. John the beloved. He the one that that had that close relationship with Jesus. That was always with Jesus. That that leaned on his shoulder. That was his little brother. Jesus understood the love of Christ more than maybe most others because of a sensitive nature and a closeness to Christ that he enjoyed being a part of that inner inner circle. He says, here's what I learned about Jesus. He loved everybody. He never, he never excluded anybody. He didn't hate anyone. He didn't beat up or malign anybody. The only ones he ever got angry with were the ones who ought to know better that were the religious people that were beaten up on the ones that were sinners. He loved all the sinners. Cared about all the people. The common denominator that causes us to be a part of a blessed family is this. It's love. The family that understands this and loves each other the way that he loves us is blessed indeed. And the the scriptures that I just read to you says that those people will enjoy eternal life. And they'll have their prayers answered here on the earth. You want to have those two things? 
You want to enjoy eternal life? You want to have your prayers answered on the earth? Then love as Jesus loved. The unlovable. The hard to love. A couple of verses that I didn't read to you is going to answer the question about how we can identify that blessed family. Get your pen out and your paper. Get ready to write this down. If you're part of this blessed family that I'm talking about, then you're going to live out the love of God, our Father, in the following ways. Get ready. Here they are. The blessed family members. Number one, here's how I can identify someone who's really a part of the blessed family of God. I'm going to be able to identify them. Number one, are you ready for this? By the way they give. Verse 16. How many could quote John 3, 16? What's it say? Bingo. Now guess what? First John 3.16. Same author. It's really unique. We see in John 3.16 what he says. In first John 3.16, we see it explained. We understand what that love is. When we realize that Christ gave his life for us. That means we must give our lives for other believers. He did it, John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16 says, we must follow his example. Is he asking us to give our lives? Most of the time, not. Very seldom. Although many of our brothers and sisters in other countries are being persecuted, and a lot of them are being martyred only simply because they believe in Jesus the same way you do. But most of us will probably not in our lifetime, at least here in the States, ever see that type of persecution. What is he talking about, though? Because it can include, it could include the loss of physical life, but not just the loss of physical life. There's something else going on here, too. You say, well, Jesus gave his life. Yes, Jesus gave his life, but Jesus gave up a whole lot more than his life before he gave up his life. What? Well, how do you think Jesus could have been born? You think he had to be you think he had to be born into poverty? You think he had to live in some of the ways that he did as he as he grew up as he chose? Do you think he he uh had to be that person that that makes a statement, birds have a nest, fox have a hole, son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He just does ministry, and in his going, he finds people that are open to him. Huh? How are you going to pay your taxes, Jesus? We're going fishing. Was Jesus poor? No, Jesus isn't poor. Jesus had the resources of the universe at his disposal to use for his father's purposes. But he didn't carry all of them in his back pocket. He carried them in his heart. He utilized them in prayer. He called upon them when needed. Now, we would like to operate out of, God, if you would let me win a lottery and I had $10 million, I'll put it in the bank, draw interest, quit my job, and every once in a while, I'll give some of it away. Jesus is saying, you already have won the lottery and you aren't giving it away. You already have Everything that money you think could buy. Peace, prosperity, plenty of food, clothing, security. 
You already have, I've already provided those things for you through jobs that keep you busy, that cause you to be physically active, that make you feel like you're of value and worth. I've already done all that for you. And yet you, instead of being open with that, are more and more about clinging to it, which clinging is a sign of what? Fear. A loss of control. An open heart says, first of all, you can't offend me. Scripture says I'm dead in Christ. You can't offend a dead man, so you can't offend me. And you can't steal my stuff because I don't have any stuff. It's a whole lot easier to get through this life when you're not trying to worry about hanging on to things that never were yours. This scripture here is not just about the loss of physical life. This passage here, you say, I know where you're going, Pastor. It's all about money. We already did the tithing. No, I'm not just talking about money either. I'm talking here about when he, when he says we must give our lives for others, that we are giving up our rights, giving up our privileges, giving up our resources in order to win or disciple other folks to Christ. I make a decision as his believer, as part of his family to say that in keeping with your example, Father, I am going to become an open faucet and I'm going to let you use me however you want. In fact, what I have decided that whatever that you have loaned me, which happens to be breath and life and health and resources, whatever it is that you have loaned me, I am willingly going to openly give that back to you generously when you ask and sometimes even when you don't. That's the kind of giving I'm talking about right here. A generous person, a giving person, a person that's not afraid to give of their time, that's not afraid to give of their talents. This is the kind of person that he says is part of a blessed family. It was a, a guy named Cap. They just called him Captain Levy. I don't even know his whole name. They called him Captain Levy, and he he lived in Philadelphia. And one time he was a he was a, a great giver. And one time somebody asked him, they said, how in the world can you give away so much and still possess such great wealth? And here was his reply. As I shovel it out, he shovels it in and he has a bigger shovel. You know what? I believe that. I believe that having lived that out myself for years. I'm convinced it's how it works. I've got to be ready and willing to give whenever God calls on me. Whether if he asks me for money, then it's money. If he asks me for other resources, other resources. If it's time, it's time. Whatever it is that I have to have right now, which at this very moment is another breath. I mean, I, I, if he wants me gone, I won't breathe again. But as long as I'm getting a breath from him, I'm on borrowed time. I'm on borrowed everything. I am simply here to live out his purpose. And whatever he asks of me during this time, this breath to the next one, I'm going I'm to have to willingly, generously be willing to part with that. Why would I do that? Because I love the promises. Eternal life and prayers answered. I'm going to tell you something right now. I would lot rather have 
the promise of my prayers being answered by the God and the creator of the universe than I would to have $10 million in the bank. It's quiet. Think about it. The love of God compels us to be givers of everything we have. And the second way that we'll know whether someone is or not is found in verse 17. It says that the blessed family will be identified by the way we help. Look at verse 17. Now suppose a person has enough to live on and notices another believer in need. How can God's love be in that person if he doesn't bother to help the other believer? The question is how can... We see the genuine need of another and, and, and have the wherewithal to help them and just turn our heads. A real child of God has to help. Did you hear that? Because the love of God compels us to help. Not just, it's not enough folks to just feel. You know how you always see something, he's like, man, I feel sorry for them. It's not enough for us to just pray. Man, I feel sorry for them. God help them. That's not enough. The love of God compels the blessed family to see, to feel, to pray, and then to do, to help, to do something. This week, a lot, probably several of you. I don't know who all because I don't know where all it went. But several of you saw uh, the pictures Randy Herring sent from Honduras. You remember Randy who was here several weeks ago and we set up on the stage. We talked for a little while. He's back in Honduras. He ran across a single mama with five children. Living in front of a store in the elements. I can't imagine having babies and I don't even have a roof. Just a tarp stretched in front of a building on a sidewalk that some shopkeeper mercifully allowed her to put up. She's living on the sidewalk in front of his store without a roof and babies and trying to keep them corralled. Can you imagine five little ones? Randy saw it. He started snapping pictures. He sent this to me, I don't know, late one night, early this week. The next day or two, I started seeing other, others of you had, had, were, had seen this and were responding to this. But pictures, little individual pictures of these little girls and these little children and this mama holding a baby. I responded back to him and I said, Randy, I'm so glad you were there. I'm so glad you found her. And I said, I'm proud of you for reaching out and helping her. Because he had sent me back. He said, I found this this lady with these kids today. I'm going to get her off of the street tonight. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to raise the money, get her a place to live and get her off the street. And I went back to him and I said, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm, I, I'm so thankful that you found her. And he came back to me and he says, well, no, he said, you know, bless you guys, because, you, you know, you. You may or may not know this, but but since he was here that day, you've given Randy probably around seven thousand dollars. 
And that $7,000, he said, I'm going to use, I'm going to use some of that money. And I'm going to, I'm going to help her. And then I saw where KD got a hold of that and he started raising funds to help the lady. And Deb said, man, KD's raising money to help the lady. I said, well, then I, let's help. And so Deb and I jumped in on that. Several of you have jumped in on that. And, and the funds are being raised right now that are going to be able to get her in a house and get her off the street for a year. This happens as a result of the family of God, those who are the blessed family of God, seeing a need and not being able to simply turn their head and walk away and say, man, isn't that a shame? Boy, we need to pray for her. In her moment, she didn't need prayer. She needed a house. Huh? She didn't need care. She didn't need feelings. She needed a place to get her babies off the street. There'd been prayer already going on. And sometimes you have to remember this. I've talked about it before. But sometimes I heard my old pastor Don Hutchings preach a message one time where he said, we need to stop praying and start marching. Stop praying? He wasn't saying stop praying. He was saying, sometimes you've prayed enough. It's time to do now what the Holy Spirit is saying. And that's what's going on. Not in just that circumstance, but in other ones. The blessed family of God says, I see it. I, I can't turn my head from it. There's something that compels me to be a part of a solution. That's the love of God that joins all of the family of Christ. I will give and I will help. And thirdly, verse 18, I will love. Dear children, verse 18 says, we must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. It's not enough to just say the right things, but we have to do the right things. People that are truly hurting and lost and confused and broken, they don't really need to hear another believer say, man, I feel sorry for you. And I'm appreciative of the fact that this is being lived out right here in our family all the time. I love seeing this. Pastor Kyle referred to it during the offering time this morning where he talked about how y'all are bringing groceries. That, that's tangible. That's not just a, a wish and a prayer. That's tangible. When you, when you take a grocery sack yourself and you go to Harps and fill it up and bring it back, that's tangible love. Some of you opening up your homes. Many, many of you have opened up your homes bringing in these little children. These little foster children. How amazing is that what the Lord is doing in our church? How many little children are at our church right now that are, that are having a place to live because you're seeing a need and you're reaching out and fostering these babies? I think it's amazing. I love the fact that I see this being lived out in our church. I'm not preaching this message today to tell you to do these things. I'm preaching this message today to encourage you and tell you Thanks for doing them. Keep doing them. And somebody's noticing. This is a blessed family. This is that blessed family of God. That is not just seeing and hearing and caring, but doing. And I'm grateful for that. Supplying the needs for people that, that, are, that are part of our church and sometimes outside of our church in benevolence. People that are struggling and needing help. So people that people are loving as God loves 
And it happens around here all the time. And what's amazing about it is that you are reaching out to people and blessing them and meeting their needs. And I'm noticing that as a result of you doing that, you're not any worse off. What I mean is that when you're reaching out to help other people, your sacrificial helping and giving and doing isn't really costing you anything because God in turn is blessing you. God is looking for, you've heard me say it before lots of times over the last 24 years. What God is looking for in the church are people that I would call faucets. He's looking for people that he can open up and that they will just be willing to be poured through. And he supplies something to come through an open faucet. But nothing comes out of a closed one. That open one, though, seemingly has an endless supply, doesn't it? You turn the water on at home, and as long as the plumbing's all working correctly, that water will run all day till that bill gets really high. And this is the way that it works with our Father in heaven. He says, when I find somebody that's an open conduit, when I find somebody that's open, that's willing to be this, that'll stay open, I'm just going to continue to give them more and more so they can dump out more and more. Now, that's good preaching, whether you say amen or not. Hudson Taylor said it this way. He said, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will never lack God's supply. So there they are. These are the three ways that that John lists of how the blessed family of God is going to operate and how we're going to know them they will give they will help and they will love and it's it requires all of those things i'm thankful to be a part of this amazing family that has these things at its heart that is that is attempting to represent the family the way god wants his family represented i'm going to conclude with a story I want to tell you a story about a pastor who was looking to act on behalf of the family of God. He wanted, he was, his days were all about getting up and praying, God, help me be a blessing to someone. Help me help somebody else. So he's out on visitation one day and he's in this neighborhood and he had finished visiting this person. He walks out into the street. He's walking down the street. He looks across the street and he sees this little fella about five years old and this little fella's across the street a couple of houses down and he's jumping up and trying to ring a doorbell but he can't reach the doorbell and he watches him jump and jump and jump and the preacher says, you know what, I think I can help that little guy. So he crosses the street, he walks over to him, lays his hand on the boy's shoulder Rings the doorbell for him, bends down and says, now what, son? The little boy says, now, preacher, we run. God is looking for people that aren't running away from doing a bad thing, but running to do a good one. Looking for people who say, you acknowledge The blessedness of being a part of this family. Being a part of this blessed family means that you're going to spend eternal life with me and I'm going to answer your prayers while you're here. But but this is what we do. We give. We help. 
we love because that's what shows the world who we are. And we don't do those things out of manipulation. We do them because when we truly are Christ's, they're just in our spirit. It isn't hard. We don't have to force ourselves to do these. Sometimes it's hard to, to actually carry some of it out just because we struggle with that carnality, the greed that's in it. But I'm telling you, the knowing of this, when you become a part of the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit starts living in you, these things come naturally to your mind and spirit. They just have a harder time sometimes getting from here to here, out through here. The knowledge of them is there. The feeling of them is there. The doing of them is sometimes where we hold up. Honorable fathers, virtuous mothers, obedient children, blessed families. All of these are godly. All of these are healthy. All of these are blessed because they're part of the family of God. I don't know whether this series has been a blessing to you or not. I don't know whether you've enjoyed it or not. Don't need a pat on the back to tell me one way or another. Don't need that at all. But I would say to you that I hope that within the course of these last four weeks that you've been challenged. That you've been motivated by the Holy Spirit to think about some things perhaps either that you haven't thought about in a long time or maybe even thought about that way before. In a day when political correctness would try to tell us that families are something other than what the Word of God says they are, we as believers struggle to be able to be that family of God and do so in a loving manner. We are under such attack for saying that men should marry women. That they should have children and raise them according to the word of God. When we say that, we immediately come under attack. But this, though we're not trying to be judgmental or unkind, this is the will of God. And so we have to be prayerful and intentional about how we are going to go out and live and represent him because we don't want to be seen as those that are standing out there holding signs that says God hates somebody because God does not hate somebody God loves everybody and it's our job to show them that love by the way we give help and love guys that right there will say more than any cardboard sign you can ever hold up those three things right there being lived out will say more and mean more and come closer and faster to changing this planet than anything else a political move isn't going to do it war isn't going to solve it the only thing that's going to fix the ills of this world is Jesus and people loving sinners until they come to know the truth. That's it. So that's what this prayer time is about today.
It's about you grabbing those notes from all four weeks if you've got them. Or if the Holy Spirit is specifically dealing with you about something today, convicting you, uh, instructing you, commanding you, that you would find yourself a place and on your knees you would submit to the will of our Father. Amen. I love you. I'm proud of you. During this last song, I want you to find yourself a place to pray. You can come down here to the altars. You can kneel around the seats. You know how this works. Wherever you want to pray. But I want to encourage you. Don't just let this moment pass. Don't get up and run out. This is a moment right now. We're early. I want you to take this moment. I want you to take this time. And I want to let the Holy Spirit, you know, what's been put in there. Let's let the Holy Spirit do a work on. Can we do that? Let's spend some time in prayer. God bless you.